I want to open the door to this idea that you can wake up any day, any year, and choose to be different. I have self-doubt all the time. I used to think that one day I was going to wake up and it was going to go away. It doesn't really go away. It's more of something that when I feel it, I actively manage it. Do you ever feel like the person most getting in your way is you? Do you have an inner voice that whispers, you can't do it? Welcome to Tiger Therapy. My name's Pippa Woodhead and I am no therapist, but I know firsthand that the big bad walls of career dreams are self-doubt and limiting beliefs. For the past few years, I've been interviewing business leaders about work and I have felt like an imposter for, well, a lot of these conversations. Each week, I'll be speaking to someone brilliant who's achieved success on their own terms. Join me as we hear about their life, their career journey, and find out what role, if any, self-doubt and limiting beliefs have played a part in their story. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of holding myself back. A key thing I'm learning is no matter where you come from, you get to choose your mindset. So lay back on the Tiger Therapy couch and let's meet today's guest. The problem with self-doubt and limiting beliefs is that you get a lot of really intelligent, talented people who sell themselves short. And my guest today is someone who earlier in her life was weighed down with these beliefs. And then, like a butterfly emerging from a chrysalis, was able to drop the doubt and is currently having the most monumentally amazing career. She is Aisha Bowe. If Aisha had followed her guidance counsellor's advice, she would have become a cosmetologist. Instead, she became a NASA rocket scientist. After six years at NASA, she started her own company, Stemboard, which is now one of the fastest growing companies in America. In 2024, she is due to fly on Jeff Bezos's rocket, Blue Origin, which will make her the sixth black woman to ever go into space. I think she is beyond fabulous, and I also think it's only a matter of time before Netflix makes a movie out of her life. Aisha, I have heard you say that when you were younger, you thought you were, quote, never going to be anything in life. Can you tell us why do you think you felt like that? I think that at the time, I was so heavily feeling my circumstances in life. My father came to the United States in the 80s from the Bahamas in search of higher education. And as many people do, he had to figure out how to succeed, how to survive, and how to raise a family. When I was growing up, my mother had not graduated from college. She had about two years worth of college education. She came from the Bronx in New York. They're both living in Michigan. And so my mother was cleaning houses and my father was working a series of somewhat odd jobs. And as a result, we did not necessarily have all the things I saw people around me have. I did not necessarily have new clothes when it was time for back to school. And as a kid, like you feel that, right? You go to school mm. and kids make fun of you or you make comparisons and you have these thoughts in your head about life and correlations between having new things and being good and having old things and maybe not being so good. And in this time, I just wanted to be the kid that woke up and had like the American Girl doll and had the brand new backpack and went to school and had everything just be perfect and new. And that wasn't my reality. 
And because of that, I started in my head saying, well, there's no way that you could be successful because you don't have parents who are seen as successful in society. And if you're not popular or if you don't have these material things, how do you think that you're going to go to college or how do you think you're going to succeed in a work environment or a team environment? These limiting beliefs had a, a pretty profound impact on you early on, right? Oh, yeah. Eighth grade and like the first year of high school were definitely not fun. There's a lot going on in the mind of like a young girl. I really feel for young women these days because every single day I just had all of these bad, 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 bad thoughts. And I started to feel it in my body. It would show in how I presented myself. It would show in how I engaged in conversation with other people and how I delivered my homework and even, you know, like how I carried my backpack. Oh, Aisha. So could you tell us a story of how this changed over time? It took a while. I felt bad about myself the majority of high school. And I remember seeking guidance as a senior because seniors are obsessed with college. And actually probably starts before then, but I was a little late to the, late, little late to the game, mostly because I didn't think that I could go. So I didn't really try because I didn't want to be disappointed. And I remember going and speaking to my high school guidance counselor and asking for recommendations because I heard that I was supposed to get a letter of recommendation for college. And my guidance counselor looked at my transcript and said, yeah, I think that it would be better if you focused on a vocation. You haven't been the strongest student. You may not be a fit for college. As a result, I didn't apply. I did not apply to college. I ended up studying at a local community college. Shout out to Washtenaw Community College in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And it was there that I was in an environment that had people from all walks of life, some of whom had children early and were returning, some who were in careers that weren't a fit. And in these classrooms, I started to have conversations with adults who had life perspective. And what I realized was that I was not my circumstances. I could not choose who I was born to. I could choose how I responded. And in that response, there was power in deciding that I was going to have goals. I was going to have dreams and I was going to transcend. And this was the first time in my life that I had met people who may have had challenges in their upbringing, but they decided to take a different path and they shared some of the skills and tools that they learned along the way to deal with it. That allowed me to create an approach and I started to plan my life. It was the first time that I realized that your life could have a plan and you could follow it and you could hold yourself accountable. Imagine that, a life plan. <laughs> And at 18, I created this amazing life plan and I injected the feel of a new to the world person. And what I mean by that is I just said, hey, I think everything I thought was true is not. So let's just toss out the first 17 years and let's look at this paper as a new start. And if I'm going to start new, I'm going to be amazing. I'm going to wake up every day and go, I like you. You're strong. You're powerful. You're pretty. You're nice. You have great friends. You live an amazing life. And what do I need to accomplish in life? 
in order to feel that way. And I started writing, I want to go to a four-year college, university, institution, period, done. I want to study something that I feel proud to say every single time for the rest of my life. And I could feel it in my chest. Setting these goals felt good. And I wasn't accustomed to feeling that way. And so I kept going. And after I go to the school and I study this thing that makes me feel good, I am going to live a life where I love to go to work. And that was the blueprint. And I stuck that on the back of my bedroom door and I prayed and I squeezed and I wished over it every single day when I left my door to go out into the real world. And those things that I put on paper actually became my life. Wow. You were an early manifester. I wish I knew that word then. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I was combining all the things that I learned later on that people attribute with manifestation out of desperation, out of a desire to want to learn how to feel good. Because after a while, you get tired of feeling bad. Mm. I really admire that you had this sort of epiphany, I guess, so young. It's actually very lucky. I think I sort of stumbled along into my 30s, sort of <laughs> feeling a lot of self-doubt, limiting beliefs. And it's only now that I'm having these feelings like, hang on a minute, I don't actually have to listen to these limiting beliefs. I can just do my own thing. What was incredible about the whole experience is that people thought that I lost my mind and that I was living in this parallel reality you went to high school and you weren't a high performer. What makes you think that you're going to be successful in life? And I just was like, I'm not listening to you. Goodbye. Have a good day. I just blocked it out. And while it became a story that was an escape, I realized the power of that, right? Like tell yourself a different story. And I became addicted to what I wanted to subscribe to in my mind. And that is still something that I practice to this day. If you decide that you are going to do something and that your life is going to follow a certain path, allow the world to change to conform to how you see it. All you have to do is hold on to that idea in your mind and have the patience and the persistence to see it through. And that has become my mode of operation today. And it's amazing. And it also allows me the time and the space to create because the reality of many things that I've accomplished is that people will often tell you that what it is that you want to do, dream, or achieve is impossible or improbable until you, in fact, do it. And so that space, that safe space is really important because you don't want to be discouraged by the limiting beliefs or ideas of others in the process of your creation. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's, there's so much there. I just find your growth story so extraordinary because you were, you were cutting school. You thought you were bad at maths. So having someone who thought they were bad at maths at school who goes on to be a NASA rocket scientist. I mean, that's almost like, and I don't know, a novel. They're going to, Netflix are going to make a <laughs> film about your career at some point, surely. <laughs> I hope so. I really do because we expect too much from people too early in life, in my opinion. Mm. 
especially when those people do not get to choose the circumstances within which they enter into this life. If you have parents who are perfect and who love you and who are coaching and cultivating you early on, then maybe it's okay to ask somebody to choose at literally 16 what they want to do for the rest of their life. But for everybody else, I want to open the door to this idea that you can wake up any day, any year, and choose to be different. Pippa, I graduated with a 2.3 from high school. I have my transcript and my master plan is to turn it into tissue paper so when people come over, they can cry into it. And I want them to see that ultimately this thing, this life experience that everyone used to tell me would mean so much and like your high school is going to set the course of your career, it actually had very little bearing other than to be a really fun story that I tell on podcasts. (laughs) And that happens with a lot of things in life, right? Like you think that a circumstance will break you when really it was designed to make you, to motivate you to think differently about that segment in your life or maybe things in the future. Mm. I I do find it extraordinary how much school dictates who we're going to be. Like you're bad at this topic, therefore sorry, you're not going to be able to do this, or you're not then qualified to go on to study this because you didn't get the grades in that. I mean, I think that school was a big, big factor in limiting beliefs that have carried through into into adulthood. I could not, I mean, I couldn't agree with more with that. And one thing I just, I wanted to punctuate there that I feel like I learned too late in life about education is that we all have different learning styles and that's a very real subject. And oftentimes Mm. you don't get to pick how you were taught, right? That teacher may not actually be the best for your learning style. And so if you don't get something, it's not that you're not good at it or that you can't do it. It's that you have to find someone to teach you in the way that you learn Mm. and hold out until you find that. Because once I did that, I was doing calculus. I was doing all kinds of things. I made it into aerospace school and I'm sitting there and I'm like, whoa, I'm in a class and we're talking about designing planes and spaceships, but I could barely pass geometry in high school. Was it because I wasn't smart? No, it was because the format and the environment wasn't in a way that I thought I learned best. Yeah, that resonates with me so much. Actually, in my mid-twenties, I worked for a company that made like Montessori education courses. And it hadn't occurred to me until that point that there could be a different way to teach. And, and maybe that seems silly. But I was like, oh, like maybe, maybe it wasn't actually my fault because I had a lot of, sort of blame. Like it was my fault that I was stupid at school. Right. And I can't wait till people hear this conversation and go, huh. Because we often don't think, wait a second, maybe this environment or maybe this teacher isn't the right fit for me. Our first thought is maybe I'm not good enough, but you are good enough. You've always been good enough. You just have to build up the confidence to allow yourself to be great. So I'm asking people to come to these interviews ready to talk about their self-limiting beliefs or times where self-doubt got in the way. I mean, these are such a big part of your story. I think we've covered a few things already. Is there anything else that comes to mind that you think, oh, that's a a great self-doubt story I should share? I have self-doubt 
all the time. I used to think that one day I was going to wake up and it was going to go away. It doesn't really go away. It's more of something that when I feel it, I actively manage it. So my morning routine is I like to get up and on my way to the gym or back from the gym, it doesn't matter. I usually will listen to a podcast that is full of affirmations and it's everything from I am smart enough to overcome the challenges before me in this day to I'm having an amazing day and building meaningful relationships. I mean, it's really, it's the spectrum. It's about 30 minutes of just affirmations. And every time after I get through listening it, I feel so much better because I'm reinforcing the positive programming that's in my mind because you can reprogram yourself to a large extent. And I want to offer that because I thought when I graduated from school, And I went into the corporate work environment that that self-doubt and that limiting belief situation would go away. But instead, I was just presented with situation after situation where I had to make a different choice. So here's an example. When I had the opportunity to apply for the job at NASA, I decided not to because I looked around and I was intimidated by all these amazing guys who are in my school And I said, well, I'm not a 4.0 student and I don't have a perfect internship history. There's no way they would ever accept me. And I was the only person who did not submit a resume for this opportunity. And the person who was doing the recruiting just thought that was so odd. It was a small school. There's only a couple hundred aerospace students. And the individual approached me afterwards and said, everybody in your graduation year, they applied but you didn't. I just want to know why. And I can remember sweating. You know, I felt a hot and I said, well, I, I transferred in and I think you would want somebody that went all four years and that was National Honor Society. And I don't know, maybe play lacrosse. I don't know. Just, I think you probably want somebody <laughs> who's like, not me. Because lacrosse is going to be so useful at NASA. <laughs> I know. I mean, but I, listen, self-doubt and limiting beliefs, they have no chill. And this person looked at me and said, your life and who you are counts for something. And I stood there and um, they were like, hey, I'm going to follow up with an email and I want you to apply. And after I had this experience, I said to myself, no matter how I feel, I'm going to allow the world to tell me no, because we're often the best at discounting ourselves. Mm, Telling ourselves no first. Yeah, we do. Let the world tell you no. And so now I just put myself out there. And in this case, it worked out because I put myself out there and I ended up earning a spot as an intern. And I remember going to work and not only feeling immediately validated, but starting to realize how and why my life and who I was mattered. And I went from an internship to being at NASA for six years. So I was good enough all along. I just had to step out of feeling like I was in this shadow of everybody else who was around me, who I thought was better for imaginary reasons that I made up in my mind. Mm. I'm so glad you had that person that was there advocating for you, chasing you. That was certainly a blessing in life. And it's something that I don't take for granted. 
it's part of why I do a lot of the work that I do now in the community and why I love your podcast and why I want to tell the story because far too often people don't necessarily have someone who's like, hey, snap out of it. And platforms like this allow that message to be heard by so many. Get out of your own way. Just let the universe tell you no. And if you need encouragement, like you can, they can find us on IG, right? I think we have to create these positive networks of people who make it okay to take a chance. Because once you get the confidence from that first chance, you start to take another and it becomes like this avalanche of accomplishment. You know, we just recorded an interview with Dr. Tomas Chamorro Pramuzic, who's this, this absolutely brilliant business psychologist. And I have to say, he's really changed my view of self-doubt. Because I think, as you said before, I've always thought of self-doubt as something I need to, to sort of try and vanquish. But I can now see how it's actually very useful. And this, this is what he says. It's a very useful thing because it's always helping you strive to be better. People who don't have any self-doubt are actually, they're going to run into trouble because they're not striving to be better. Can you see that this self-doubt you've experienced has helped you? Yes. And I love that. I actually have a fear of people who do not have self-doubt. And let me tell you why. I meet a lot of men in the business world who don't seem to have checks and balances in their brain. (laughs) And I'm like, well, wait a second. That may be an irresponsible decision. Did you ever consider that maybe you were wrong? (laughs) And the answer is no. And I see this a lot, especially, you know, I'm running an engineering firm. I have another company that's venture backed. And so I meet a lot of different types of people And what I find is that the people who have been able to master their self-doubt do a really good job of 360 evaluating their decisions Mm. and also allowing others to make their decisions better by providing constructive feedback. And that is really, 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 really an important thing to hold yourself accountable and to be comfortable allowing others to within means, right? Understanding how to do it constructively can make you very, very, very powerful. But when you just cater to this feeling that you can never do wrong, that's really where people get in trouble. And ego can be a crazy thing. So earlier you mentioned this physicality with your feelings. I think you you mentioned that it was down to the way you, you carried your backpack at school. For me, limiting beliefs and self-doubt, uh, which, which are obviously different things, but very much connected. I've realized I have felt almost a physical weight from them. At times in the last few years, I felt almost like the way I would describe it is sort of like my feet are stuck in the mud and I'm wanting to to run and to go and do things and chase life, but I can't lift my feet up off the ground. So it was just, it's like this physical weight. If you ever find yourself feeling like self-doubt is blocking you, what do you do? I go for a walk. If Mm. I have more energy, I go for a workout. But the walk part is important because I feel that you have to move an emotion. You have to release that stress and that tension from your body. And walking can be some of the most gentle and therapeutic activity to help alleviate that stress. I understand and I really resonate with what you're saying about like the heaviness because I, I often, when I, when I have doubt, I hold it in my back. I feel it in my chest and it feels like an anchor 
in my soul. But getting out, walking, and then allowing myself to examine and putting those affirmation tapes on repeat or even just calling a friend, I have self-doubt buddies in business. Oh, do you? I do. I do. Everyone needs to get one. Get one. Get one. Oh, will you be mine? Can I ring yes. you up whenever yes. I'm down? Oh, thank you so Text much. Text me. I'm hold you call there. me. I don't care what <laughs> time it is. But me and these women, we have an agreement. I might text one of my friends, I'm feeling low today. Tell me something nice. Oh, that's nice. And and just write back, right? They'll write right back to me. They'll provide encouragement. And I think, I think it's important to kind of look at it as a journey that you are on with other people. You are not alone in this. And you all need encouragement. And there's some days when you're going to be able to move this feeling this emotion by yourself. And there are going to be other days when you're going to need somebody to pour into you so that you can pour into the world. And that's okay, but let it be known because I guarantee you, if you guys who are listening to this, do this, text one of your friends and say, look, there are going to be times when I don't feel great about myself. Will you just send me something nice? They are going to love it. And they are going to be like, hey, can you just do the same thing for me? Done. But okay, so if you message a friend and you ask that, what do they have to send back that will actually change your mood? What sort of thing? What's funny about that is I've never put a requirement on it. Sometimes it's a call. Sometimes it's a hug. Sometimes it's, well, like hug emoji. What's really interesting to me about the request is that I've never felt that somebody responded in a way that did not help. It's amazing. It's like you're immediately channeling into someone's empathy and they just know how to connect. Now, I don't open it up to everybody. Like I'm not walking down the street saying, Hey, like I need you to help support me tomorrow. (laughs) But for the people who are in my life, um, so it works both ways. I had an amazing week this week and I came home and I'm single. I do not have any pets. I have a really good relationship with my mom, but she wasn't available to hear about my day. And I remember sitting there and saying, wow, the downside to this is that there are some days that are so incredible that I just want to share it with somebody. And so I reached out to a friend of mine. I said, hey, I just had a good day and I don't have anybody to share it with. And he literally said, well, I'm working out, but in 10 minutes, I'm going to call you and we're going to talk about all of it. And I remember saying to myself, wow, I need to build this in too, because as much as I think about doubt and wanting to move it, there's also joy, right? And being able to share joy and have people reflect back a joy and excitement about your life. That is also important in the whole cycle of like moving the doubt because the joy reinforces the doubt that you overcame to create it. Mm, That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I love it. So there was one thing that I was thinking I really must thank Aisha for this. And that is that we, we covered this a little bit already is that one of my limiting beliefs that I recognize that has really held me back is this sort of shameful secret belief that I'm really stupid, which I know you felt as well. And that I'm going to be found out. And you know, I, I feel like I've mentioned this in a lot of these tiger therapy interviews now, but I think the reason I feel that I can now say this out loud is because I've heard you say it. The fact that a real life rocket scientist felt stupid. You know what's funny is that, and I, I love this when I, I wrote a, a blog post about this, but 
The imposters never feel like they're imposters. The fact that you even feel this way should be an indication to you that it's not true. It's not a true thing. And we must exercise this because you're brilliant. Creating this platform to help many people overcome limiting beliefs and self-doubt is a brilliant display of empathy and compassion for people who may be experiencing some of the emotions that you have. What a lovely thing to say. Thank you so much. I might have to create a little audio clip of that and just play it back to myself <laughs> every morning, every evening. <laughs> so if you fail at something now, well, I imagine you don't fail too often these days, but if something doesn't quite go your way now, can you notice a difference in how you talk to yourself about it now versus a few years ago? Yeah, I think that failure is success and progress. Early in my career, I looked at it as terminal. If something didn't go the way that I wanted it to go, I was just sad. I was mopey. I couldn't really handle the feeling of failure. But now, in hindsight, I look back and even from my academic journey, all the times that I failed were really designed to create the story that would educate, empower, and inspire people in the future. If I had not had those setbacks, I wouldn't be the person who I am today. And so I think that allowing yourself to be okay with something not going your way is important and reframing it to understand that this setback may actually be a pivotal part of your life's journey in the future is incredibly important. Personal story time, because that's what we're here to do. In 2018, I bought out my business partner and he was a male whom in many ways I took a level of confidence from. I felt like I'm running my business because we had this partnership and we were sharing the work and doing it together. And after this buyout, it was not mutually agreeable. It was basically a forcible termination. I remember thinking, how am I going to pick up the pieces and run this company without him? I had partners and people coming to me saying, oh, well, you know, we had the perception that he made you. And that he really is the reason why this company is a success. And that hurt. And I struggled. Mm. And I thought I failed. But from that failure, I was able to, at the time, bounce back and have the highest grossing revenue year to date at that time. Because I was forced to say, can you run this business? The answer is yes. Why do people think that you can't run this business? Address those things. And I started showing up as the boss that I am and realizing that I was really just leaning on him. There were decisions that I wanted to make, but I let him make it. There were talks that I wanted to give, but I let him give it. And now I'm free to just show up and really embody that role. Today, I've more than tripled the size of the business. We're operating in many states in the United States. And I look back on that time, which I really thought I had failed. And I'm grateful for it because it helped me reach the next level 
Because unfortunately in life, we often don't grow unless we feel discomfort. Why do you think you were leaning on him so much? I had never seen a woman do the things that I do now. I mostly saw women at the time be successful as deputies or in supporting roles for technical organizations. And I think that society is grappling with that. We're seeing more women on boards. We're seeing more women elevated to C-suite positions. I would argue that there's still a lot of work to do, but there's a positive narrative. I did not know if I could run a successful engineering company on my own. I didn't come from a rich family. I didn't have any business experience, whereas he had. I thought that in some way that made him better or that made him more well-equipped, but it did not because he may have also lacked that self-doubt thing that is so important. Yeah. And if you don't have it, it's hard to see. You have blind spots, right? Like I, I often say leadership is seeing around a corner where management is seeing down the hallway. And I was able to exhibit leadership because I started looking at how we saw each corner, whereas his playbook was traditional. We're going to do it this, we're going to do it that. And I threw that out and I did it my own way. Good for you. As someone who's achieved so much and self-doubt has been such a part in your journey and actually a very positive part in your journey, if someone is feeling crippling self-doubt and it's really stopping them do things they want to do, what's the best advice you can give them? I think if you have the resources to find professional support, you should. I really want the word therapy to undergo a rebrand because I think it is an important part of everyone's lives. And it's really fundamental. There have been periods of time in my life when I deliberately went and I sought professional help to help me reframe how I thought because I was not taught these skills. I did not wake up and know how to objectively look at how I felt in interactions and evaluate them. And in the same way that you may need to go to the gym and work out and build strength, it's important to have a practice that allows you to build endurance in your mind. If therapy or tiger therapy is not the fit for you, there are a whole host of podcasts, groups, and even conferences and activities that can help you build this. For many years, I was dedicated to yoga. I would wake up and I would go to vinyasa. I like the heated vinyasa flow. And that was a time for me to connect positive thoughts with movement. And that actually was very therapeutic because when I was on the road or even when I was at home and I just had a bad day, I would get up and I would go and I would think positive thoughts and I would move. And it was a way of me combining movement and therapy. But the gist of it is to evaluate your resources. If you have the ability, go and seek something more formal. I promise you, you will be made better by it. If you don't have the resources for something more formal, there are podcasts and there are wealth of things that are online that are free, as well as I encourage you to share your thoughts with people who you trust around you. I read a really interesting statistic that we often don't tell the right people our dreams, we tell the wrong ones. And if you can find 
six people who you share your dreams with, who hold you accountable, that you are a thousand percent more likely to actually accomplish this dream. So there is something to sharing yourself and your goals and your feelings with trusted people and allowing them to help you become who you'd like to be. Mm. You know, you said that you, you listen to affirmations in the morning. I think you should create an audiobook full of Aisha Bo affirmations. I would listen to that all the time. <laughs> you know, I, I've thought about this and I've thought about it specifically for business, positive mm. business affirmations, because I have never been more health, mental health conscious than when I started this small business. Literally every day I wake up and I say, I am a good business leader. I have the skills to grow this business. I have the charisma to market this company. I mean, every single day, because there are no days that are alike when you're running a small business. You have no idea what situation you're going to be in. And I need the reinforcement because it's really, really scary. It's scary. I'm scared to this day that I'm not going to be able to rise to the occasion. You know, I went from having a small business to having a larger small business to being in the situation where we're probably going to have over a hundred people who are my full-time employees by the end of the year. And I just want to be the best little boss. And that requires affirmation. Can you imagine your, your childhood self looking up at who you are now? I don't think the childhood me would think that I was telling her the truth. She'd be like, no way. <laughs> Absolutely not. No way. Like you're going to become a responsible contributing member of society. <laughs> no. Okay. Aisha, I'm going to possibly embarrass myself now with my slight change in tact. I'm attempting to bring a bit of levity to what is quite a serious topic. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I am challenging myself with these interviews is to try and ask people things they haven't been asked in an interview before. These vary a lot. But the one that I came up with for you, it popped into my brain and I was chuckling away to myself and congratulating myself on my genius. And then a second later, I realized that was the stupidest thing ever. And I'm going to really embarrass myself. Do you mind if I ask you a really, a really stupid question? I would love for you to ask me a really, really great question. It's not a great question. It it's is a, a great question. question. It's a great question. Okay. Okay. On, okay. So, with your connection to space, this is so, I'm really embarrassed. Do you believe in aliens? That is a great question. Is it? Yes, it is a great question. <laughs> oh, I thought question. you were going to laugh in my face. Oh, okay. no, I'm thrilled. no, listen, we are going to vanquish this self-doubt thing on this podcast. All your questions are amazing genius questions. And that was oh, a good thanks. question. <laughs> okay. Do you, do you believe in aliens? I think it's a complicated topic and it's an exciting one. And it's one of the reasons why I'm so excited for the next generation to go into space in science. A few years ago, probably more than a few years, because I feel like the older you get, the years go faster. Uh, there was a science mission that was launched by NASA called Kepler. And it was essentially a survey to look for other habitable planets. And what they did was they basically took how we define life here on Earth. Having a sun being a certain distance from Earth and, you know, looking for potential indications of water. And what they found was mind-blowing. There are many other 
situations out there that emulate aspects of what we have here, meaning that it is quite possible that somewhere out there, there is another planet that has water and that might be able to support some form of life. Now, whether that life walks on two feet and can talk to us is a whole separate thing. But I do believe that we're just now beginning to explore the surface of what is actually out there. And it's interesting. I mean, we've been able to find basic building blocks of life on Earth here, carbon and other elements in other areas of the universe. Like, that is amazing. That is mind-blowing. But guess what? We need people who want to figure it out. Because if you think about a lot of the things that we have today, at some point in time, they were far-flung ideas. Like, could you imagine going back 100 years in time and saying that you would be able to commute in a pressurized tube that flew at 500 plus miles an hour at 37,000 feet? Like, do you think that people in, you know, 1910 would believe you? They would have probably thought that that was crazy, right? Same thing, Wi-Fi, satellites, telecommunications. When I grew up, and not to date myself, there was a phone And that phone had a long cord and that phone was in the kitchen. And if your friends called you, you better hope that your mom cared to give you the message and tell you to call them back. There was no thing as a cell phone, uh, caller ID, uh, group text. Like that did not exist. Like, do you remember when text messaging was created? I do. Yeah. I had the same phone in my kitchen, by the way. Like it was like, it was like (laughs) science fiction. And now all these things are turning into science fact. And so I am completely and totally open to this idea that there's more out there than humanity thought that there was, and that we're going to have to go back and revise the textbooks to include it. Great question. Oh, thanks. Oh, you make me feel so good about myself. You are going to be going to space soon. (laughs) Isn't that wild? I mean, this is why I think that young me, like young me is fully not on board with any of this. Like young me is like, you're going to go to space. (laughs) No, no way. I feel so honored and so humbled and just so amazing. My mom came over the other day and she was wearing her Blue Origin t-shirt and I just like wanted to cry, right? I just wanted to cry. It's an amazing opportunity, but this is part of that, that dream that... I was just talking about like there was a time when there were no commercial companies who were participating in space on this level. And now we have a host of amazing companies who are not only going into space, but they're getting ready to land on the moon. And so you've got Blue Origin, you have Virgin Galactic, you have SpaceX, and the world is just opening up. And for me, the idea that I could take something that was really a career that I made up in my room, manifest it, live it, and now demonstrate that dreams are real to the rest of the world is incredible. This flight for me is about showing the world that you are more powerful than you ever thought that you could be and that your wildest dreams can come true because we are in wild dream territory. I still remember getting the call and I thought it was fake. I thought I was getting pranked. Like, wait, what? Wait, first of all, how did you find out about me? 
We use the internet. Oh wait, okay. <laughs> and then you want to do what? And I got on the call and I, I realized that in the situation I was distributing limiting beliefs, but I was going to step out of the way of this and come into the moment because if I can just do this thing, right? Like if I can commit to this space flight, then that may potentially inspire so many other people to do the same. And I'm not saying get on a rocket, but go out there and just live this big life. So I'm thrilled. I'm excited. I can't wait. I have the jacket. I have the socks. I cannot wait for people to come along this journey. It is going to be so cool. All of the elements around the next year are designed to inspire and empower and really share the journey of women in space and technology. And I, I just, I, yeah, it's exciting. I can't wait. It is absolutely amazing. I can't, I can't wait to, to read all about it at the time and, and follow your journey. Okay, Aisha, this has been just so amazing speaking to you. I'm pretty sure I could keep you all morning chattering away, but I'll, <laughs> I'll wrap this up. So I'm asking everyone the same final question. And that is, can you think of someone that you could nominate to come on this podcast? Someone with an amazing growth story, with an interesting experience with self-doubt and limiting beliefs? I think the challenge would be nominating only one. Oh, you can give me more than one. Yes, there's so many. I think that there's power in sharing your story. And I used to feel that the things that set me back, the things that people considered to be a disadvantage were shameful. And because of that, I didn't share the story, but it's that shame that holds you back. When you can show up as a collection of your experiences, you unshackle yourself from what occurred and you allow other people to benefit from it. And so there are a number of people I know who I think are, are doing that. But there's a woman online who her name is Ronnie Brown, and I will be happy to send you her information. But she really has an incredible story. She's also a boss business lady, and she shares her journey from becoming a mother early on to really transforming her life to building a business, helping other women build theirs. And it's incredible. Sounds fantastic. All right, Aisha, I can't thank you enough. It's been really amazing. Thank you for having me and for all the amazing, genius, brilliant ideas and questions. Especially the alien one, right? <laughs> that was the best question. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tiger Therapy. You made it to the end, which makes me so happy. I really hope you got something from this conversation. It would mean so much to me if you could subscribe to Tiger Therapy on whichever podcast platform you're listening on. The more subscribers we get, the more people will find us, and then the bigger and better guests we'll be able to have on. A big thank you to everyone who made this episode possible, including our brilliant guest and, of course, the team at Tiger Hall. <laughs>